Y dos. Y dos. Una. Y dos. Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 39, Branding. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean and Spotify, and also on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And don't forget my merchandise page, CortezNYC.BigCartel.com. I have all my summer 2018 merchandise on there live and ready for sale. I have original art pieces. I have graffiti pins, posters, stickers. Um, already, some of uh, the original art pieces have sold. Yeah. And the pins that's got a good reaction so if you guys want something original go to cortezNYC.bigcartel.com and you will find a lot of original artwork there um, and shout out to all our fans on Instagram thank you for the support all right branding so I know we've spoken about branding um, in previous episodes, but more about branding, like working for brands and uh, branding this this podcast, things exactly, like that. Yeah. Um, but I started thinking about branding uh, your signature as a fine artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you you brought up a good point about uh, Latino or Latina fashion icons, and I was like, wow. Well, what makes these people so famous? It's their their names, mm-hmm. you know, their brands behind their, their name, name becomes. It's almost like their name becomes the name of the product that they're selling. Yeah. When they talk about a specific design, they don't talk about the description of the design, but they use the name of the designer. Exactly. To talk about the design. And before they say, oh, that leather dress or that uh, whatever, chiffon, whatever Mm -hmm. the hell, they say it's a, you know, Oscar de la Renta. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing when it comes to fine art with painting. You know, before they, hopefully before they say, hey, look at that graffiti piece or look at that oil painting, they'll mm-hmm. say, hey, that's a Cortez piece or yeah. that's, if you're another person, let's say Cope. Cope is yeah. a very famous signature. Yeah. You know, Cope 2. They'll say, that's a Cope. That's mm-hmm. a Cope 2. Um, if it's a Futura 2000, Scene is another person. Um, there's some graffiti artists that already have that kind of branding to their signature. Right. Just because you're famous doesn't mean that you have that. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I think this conversation made me really think about. Like, I don't know. There's something about that identity of the artist and their and their signature mm-hmm. to the to the quality of that work that makes it be a, a signature brand. Mm-hmm. That's it. Not everybody has a signature brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a difficult thing to do to have a signature brand. And I, I I'm going to try to explore it a little bit here. You know, we're going to talk about it a little bit. And I saw some videos where they tried to help (laughs) artists with that. But I I think it's a difficult thing to do. I, you know, I think for myself, I, I kind of have an identity, but I don't have an exact signature brand yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think everybody can be like, that's a Cortez. I think they did. They, people started identifying my skulls and saying like your, your skull work. Like when they see my skulls, they know that that's a Cortez. Yeah. Some people who know me well enough or 
familiar enough with my stuff will see my lettering and be like that looks like your lettering that's a court that's cortez piece mm-hmm. and then they'll look at it carefully and it might not be me or it might be me and it and i think that's the difficulty is they might recognize things about it but i haven't established that signature thing yet mm-hmm. and i i'm gonna go into it right now what makes a signature style and what makes a signature brand your, your signature as an artist you know be a brand and it's not as easy as just being recognized there's yeah. something else to it um i don't think i've done it consciously i don't think i've been able to do that yet and i think with time i will mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of artists out there who have done that and there's some who have attempted to be signature brands mm-hmm. and they've they've fallen flat because eventually it becomes repetitive their style becomes repetitive and becomes cliche is that it's, it's tricky it's a tricky thing to After you get to that point of being, of having a signature um, style or a signature brand, then how can you make it different but still have that signature brand? Good points right there. And also, how do you make that signature brand also be quality? Exactly, that the quality stays. Because it's one thing to be recognized. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that that's done by this guy. Yeah. But that they say, yeah, it's done by this guy, and it's like not really that valuable. Mm-hmm. That's different than having a signature quality, mm-hmm. you know, item, mm-hmm. uh, an, an image that, that when they see your signature, it means that that's worth money. That people trust you and trust your style because it's also good quality. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the difficult thing there. Um, all right, so... <laughs> I I went to the YouTubes, <laughs> the source of all my knowledge. <laughs> this this podcast should be called search search on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> let's search on YouTube. Um, I went to YouTube. I said, let me look up what what do they have, what do they offer, what advice is out there for artists who want to develop a brand of their signature. And what I found again is mostly things for musicians, how to develop your brand as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find some that were for painters and for artists. The funny thing is we came across those silly videos where they are more focused on trying to teach you how to sign your name. Like literally. Literally signing your name yeah. and coming up with a signature, an yeah. artist's signature, rather than focusing on how to establish your own branding of your name mm-hmm. and make it mean something. So yeah. that was funny. Um, But when I did find some videos that did speak about artists and kind of spoke more about the branding of your style, I think there were some key points that were that stood out. Number one, your signature. Okay, so when you are signing your paintings, right, and you are signing your artwork, you should be making your signature something that is unique, your mark, right? Your signature should be unique. It should be legible. And I know some artists have funky signatures and they do like these little dashes or whatever it might be that They don't care if people can read it or not. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a good point that people should be able to read your signature. They should be able to make it out somehow. And, uh, you know, some people might want to be more fine art to you. I don't know what they might think it is. They're more abstract. They want to be mysterious. Yeah, yeah. And that works to a certain extent, but it's not going to help you if you're a beginner or if you're just coming out. That that only works if you've already been so established that now you can, like, hide your identity. Exactly. Um, so you want to make your, your signature unique. You want to make it legible. Some artists like to use like a logo kind of signature where their signature is like just, let's say if I sign my name, just the letter C, Mm -hmm. like CTS or something, CRTS. And I just made it all like an icon, like a logo so that it's repetitive and you always see that same stamp. Yeah. That's cool also. That's another way to approach it, but it's not necessarily the way you have to approach it. 
And I think that's another point. Some people think they have to do that, and they invent signatures that are all contrived and like extra. Like mm-hmm. they they're putting extra effort on the signature mm-hmm. instead of putting extra effort on their artwork. Yeah. And that's a mistake also. And and I think your signature can be a logo, but it doesn't have to be a logo. Um, another thing is. Once you do have this signature and ha- and and you you have this style and you do a painting, right? How do you, should you sign it? Another another video was talking about how to sign your paintings um, using different mediums. Like let's say if you did a painting, then you signed it with a sharpie mm-hmm. because it's a permanent marker and it'll be in the corner and it'll be accurate and nice and clean. Um, a lot of the comments were saying don't sign with a different medium if you're gonna do a painting try to sign your paintings with the same medium that you did the painting in number one it shows consistency mm-hmm. it, it, it makes it more obvious that it was done by the same artist and number two it's more permanent if you if you're gonna paint something let's say in oils you know that the signature is also done in oils the signature is gonna last the same time that the painting lasts and that's what you want so they were suggesting use the same mediums to sign avoid trying to get to a different medium if you did a watercolor painting don't mm-hmm. don't sign it with a marker right. sign it with the watercolor and with with a brush um another thing that they were pointing out when you do sign your paintings is signing the back of the painting mm-hmm. this is something that i started doing i think in the past couple of years maybe the past six years seven years i started realizing that my canvas is some people might not be able to understand what the canvas is about yeah so i should be signing the back Mm -hmm. of the canvas and like clearly writing my name and also putting the title in the back yeah in the back of the canvas and maybe even you know the year the title and maybe even the medium right as much information as possible just write it down neatly in the back of your canvas yeah I, um, I don't know if it's, that's the most professional thing, but I think for us practical artists, you know, especially us urban artists, we're making our own rules anyway, so who cares? Exactly. I recommend it. I think that it's a good habit to get into. Um, it's a good way to archive your work, maybe even number it. One artist was suggesting numbering your, your canvases, um, and that should all be done on the back of your canvas. And I think it's good because your information will travel with your paintings. Um, you never know where your painting is going to end up if you really are selling your canvases and they're getting out into the public. You don't know where they're going to end up. And especially as an urban artist who might not be on you know, the front covers of the most elite magazines, you don't know where, where your paintings might end up and that that information might help you yeah. for people to tra- trace back the origin of the artist and find you. Yeah. So why not? Why not put that information on the back of a canvas? I think it makes sense. Um... Then, then I, you know, getting beyond this whole thing about how to sign your paintings and, and the technical mm-hmm. aspect of your signature and what it should look like, uh, what kind of script to use, um, you get into, I got into a video that was very informative that was talking about how to make a signature product. And that's the key to this whole conversation. You, you as an artist, how do you make your paintings be a signature product? Um... They were talking about, you know, the best thing you could do is to paint a lot of canvases enough that you have a body of work that you can then analyze. So first, paint a lot. 
Don't worry about the signature and the packaging before you even do product. Get all your product done and then look back at the work and then start to pick pick apart what mm -hmm. is your signature style and what is your not even style what is your signature painting complete product under the umbrella of what is your signature product is technique subject and style so these are three things that the person pointed out and i think i agree with those three things there might be more but i think those three things make sense you should be recognized for a technique you should have something unique in your technique that makes it yours. Um, and if and if you haven't identified it, work on it. It doesn't mean that you don't have it. It just means that you haven't focused on it and said, this will be my technique. I want people to recognize me for this technique. Yeah. Another thing is the subject matter. Do you like to paint bunny rabbits? I think we use bunny rabbits in another <laughs> analogy in a different podcast. I like or going, flowers. I, always got, I love going to bunny rabbits. But... <laughs> Do you like painting bunny rabbits or do you like painting horses or do you like painting unicorns Unicorns or landscapes or, you know, ghosts or skulls or whatever you like to do, right? The subject. People should know you for your subject. And I think, I think that's something that is difficult for some of us because if we're good with many subjects exactly. and, we in, and we're into many subjects, how do you, how do you make that a signature part mm -hmm. of your product, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the subject? Um, and then lastly is style which is different than technique. Technique is how do you use the mediums, right? Style it has something to do with maybe your flair for color or, or your flair for fashion in your piece right. or... Style is like you're showing your personality yeah. in the painting, right? Yeah. Um, so these three things help to... I mean, there could be more, but these three things help to create your signature product, your painting. There are artists, and I've seen this, and I think I've witnessed it enough that it becomes a little cliche there are artists who will choose a signature style you know that there's that their actual tag has a signature style a specific technique a specific subject a specific style and they'll they'll milk it and it'll become cliche and it just kind of blends into everybody else's stuff and it just looks so repetitive that it looks commercial hmm. and i've seen that where where I can say, oh, yeah, that's done by this guy, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't want to remember his name because I'm like, eh. Like, it's like so obvious right. that it's kind of like, meh, you know. Yeah, he made a signature style, but it's not worth much. It just doesn't grab me. It right. doesn't It doesn't stay permanently in my in my mind, in my subconscious. And, and I think that's another element of this signature thing that is difficult for artists, um, especially if you're painting... If you're a contemporary artist and you're painting in a medium that is like maybe spray paint or or or, or you're mixing mediums when you know you might be painting on walls and then you're also painting on canvas and you're also mm -hmm. doing black books mm -hmm. like if you're mixing mediums you're going across different platforms you might be also confusing the viewer a little bit you might right. not be narrowing down what's your signature product right so that's difficult too and and you know it's a work in progress for everybody i think for myself as well i i like i, I admit I don't have necessarily a specific, specific signature product yet mm -hmm. that I can say, yeah, that, that's that, that's me. You know, I think I've done a lot, yeah. so much. Um, but I, I, you know, I think I have a style, I have a technique, I have some famous pieces that I can say, those are my famous pieces. Those are, you know, but it's just, it's still a matter of working it out. Like, what is it about those pieces that can be turned into a signature product? Yeah, I think the more you, the more you practice, the more you. Um, the more pieces you create, the more creations you make will help you to find your signature brand. 
and your signature style because sometimes you'll do so many things like you just saying but it also depends on how people react to your pieces mm -hmm. and maybe that way you can know which one is the one that will stay um that will create this signature branding yeah i mean i think we'll talk about it right at the end but i i, I do think i have a few things in my style that can be called signature but um so other things that other things that this uh, these videos taught me they were talking about when you do want to create a signature product you need to ask yourself what are you known for what do you enjoy painting that's mm -hmm. another part of it don't do something that you're not going to enjoy anyway yeah. so if you're looking to create a signature product you need to really know that it's something that you really enjoy doing so that you can keep it up mm -hmm. um if if you're just doing it just because everybody's like everybody now is doing uh i don't know Sneakers. Everybody's painting sneakers on canvases, right? They're, they're doing sneakers, different kinds of sneakers, cartoony sneakers. And then you say, okay, I got to do it too. I'm going to do cartoony sneakers my way. Exactly. It's and not going to work. Not, it's yeah. not going to work. You're going to eventually run out of steam and you're just following the trend. It's trendy to do sneakers or it's trendy to do robots. So everybody does robots. Let's do robots on canvases. It's going to work for a little bit, but it's not really going to be your signature style. It's not going to work for the long run. Mm -hmm. um, something also that they said was it should be something that is uh, easy for you to do in your time restraints. Like, you, it shouldn't take you a long time to do. That's another part of signature product, finding your signature product as, as a fine artist. Um, you should be able to do this in a timely fashion that it doesn't, it doesn't take so much time that it, it becomes a burden. Right. Um, so that's where maybe technique comes into play. You know, you should invent a recipe for your product, your paintings. Mm-hmm that you can repeat over and over again and do canvases after canvas after canvas. You shouldn't you shouldn't have to struggle with each one. Right. And I think that also plays into pricing as well because if you spend a lot of time on one and then a little time on another and, and, and like your techniques are all over the place, that's difficult. It's difficult to um, to brand that, mm -hmm. you know, that technique and that painting, that final product. Another thing, and this is the part that I think is important to me, I've always found most important is that your work, your final product, looks instantly recognizable. That is something that I think I've been blessed with an ability to create things that are memorable. Yeah. So I think I'm blessed in that sense. I just need to work on some of the other elements to really make it a conscious effort to be more branded. Right. You know what I mean? But I do think that my paintings are recognizable. I think when people see them, they they whether you like them or not, you'll remember them. And then later on, you'll be like, oh, I remember that. Mm -hmm. You might not remember my name, though. That's and the that's branding. Yeah. That's the branding part. So I have to work on that part. Um, and the other thing to think about, and this is something that maybe a lot of us urban artists got to consider, is when you do create a body of work, a large body of work, you want to pick out the ones that are your signature style and you want to move forward with those. Mm -hmm. And you want to leave behind the other ones. Mm -hmm. And it's harder now with social media because on social media you're gonna have your good ones and your bad ones, and yeah. it's hard to it's hard to go back and delete all your bad images or yeah. image not bad ones but just ones that don't help your branding. Mm -hmm. But it is true that your weaker work does hurt your brand. Right. If you really want to establish a brand, you should try to keep promoting your best work, even if you are being a little re repetitious. But you should promote your best work. To, to pull away attention from your weaker work yeah yeah um your weaker work is gonna the, the work that that isn't really part of your branding it doesn't help your brand it's gonna hurt your branding it's gonna make your branding kind of um dilute you know it's gonna like blur the lines of 
what really is your style right um what should you be known for so that's something else to think about is weeding out the weaker pieces the pieces that don't help to contribute to the whole um and then another thing is and i think we were talking about that is can you be consistent can you can you develop can you develop a variety of the same style or the same product so once you decide okay this is my product that it's my signature product this is what i'm known for within those boundaries of that signature product can you still create variety so if i'm known for spray paint canvases that are bunny rabbits and they are done with a style where like the ears are always like half crooked and half straight and it's always pink i'm known for that right but can you do that 20 different ways right under the same description right you know what i mean that it doesn't look boring or or repetitive you know branding doesn't mean that you do the same painting over and over and over again it Mm -hmm. means that you're doing those same those same elements with different varieties yeah that's yeah. the difficult that's the difficult part that's and i think it, exactly i think a lot of a lot of especially a lot of urban artists and pop artists tend to mass produce the same image and that's that's and the thing about that it gets boring and that the quality is not the same exactly and then you're losing by trying to make it big you're losing the special element that you had at the beginning yeah yeah so I think branding as an artist, as a, as a fine artist, branding something that is has your personal touch, mm. your hand, the hand of the author. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a difficult task, and it starts by signing your pieces, but it continues by putting thought to your pieces. Yeah. And and really taking authorship of your pieces, not letting not letting it just be a happy accident but actually consciously creating a body of work mm-hmm. that con- consistently has all these elements playing within each other. Um, that's a difficult task. It's something that has to be done uh, consciously and has to be done with, a, with great effort. Um, and in social media, especially, there's other elements that make it difficult, but then there's other elements that make it positive, right? Because you can exactly you can create your hashtag, you can create your you know, identity. You can measure... Um the likes and stuff like that that's not that important but in a way can help you find your brand um your brand style your brand signature if by any chance you have um too many ideas or too many different pieces yeah yeah um i think for myself and maybe this is where you could help me help chime in but i think for myself a few of the elements of my signature style i think on canvas i do like oil painting and acrylic painting I haven't really settled on a medium mm-hmm. or a technique that I really, really love. Mm-hmm. So that's difficult for me. On canvas, it's difficult for somebody to be like, well, he's known for his oil painting or he's known for his acrylic painting or, yeah. or mixing spray paint with this and that. and the other. Like, I don't have that. Um, I think in my, in my style, I definitely, my, part of my signature is full compositions. Yeah. Whether it's graffiti walls or black books or canvas, like I like to fill the whole image with a composition yeah and i think that that's never going to go away um i think there should always be a sense of elegance to my pieces but still at the same time it should feel street mm-hmm. it should still feel graffiti mm-hmm. um there's a refine a refinement to yeah. my drawing style and my, the edges of my pieces and everything to always refined and sharp and all that um i think the colors i, I play with as many colors as i want 
Yeah, they're always very colorful. Even if they're mysterious, right. um, you don't leave the color behind. But then I've done, I've done a few paintings that are like lacking of color. So, you know, I think that's where I have to kind of decide which way to want to go with those things. Yeah. You know? um, and and then, then also, I think that the, the fact that you mix um, graffiti letters with fine art in a way with uh, characters that are made more in the fine art style mm -hmm. but then you have graffiti in your pieces that can become a branding signature if you know how to play with it yeah mm -hmm. well I, I think I've always even from the, my first paintings mm -hmm. when I was a teenager I've always mixed fine art elements and things from art history into my paintings mm -hmm. so that's definitely always been there where I, I like to just sample little bits of art history and put it in there yeah um i don't think i've done it as consciously as i should yeah but i've done it yeah. um another thing is scale the scale of my paintings mm -hmm. you know they've varied so much i've gone big and i've gone small and mm -hmm. i think that's something maybe i should be looking at and maybe that's another element mm -hmm. to technique and style and all that um all right i think we ran out of time you guys out there all you artists out there all you signature artists um throw your tags up and let people know who you are Get recognized. Culture talk. Culture talk. This is going to be a very interesting one for me. You really captured my imagination with it and your research was impressive uh -huh. and I actually learned a lot so I'm gonna let you do yeah. all the talking go for it okay well this culture talk we're gonna be talking about Latino fashion designers or Latino fashion icons um, I looked through a list of different Latino fashion icons and I selected four that I wanted to talk about for this episode um, some of them are names that you might recognize, others are names that you didn't even know there existed, but um, I just wanted to bring them up because we were going to talk about branding and I think that these designers, they created a brand with their designs. And I'm gonna also talk about what they have in common and how they became the brand that we know now. And these people are, are fashion icons, not urban fashion or street fashion. No, no. These couture. Couture, high fashion. High fashion, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with Oscar de la Renta. Oscar de la Renta is a fashion designer. Um, he's Dominican. He was born and raised in Dominican Republic. Then he moved to Europe, to Spain. And then he came to New York where he... He, he was always working in fashion back in Spain, but here is where he really made it big. I, I had no idea he was Dominican. I had no, I always, I grew up listening to that name, like Oscar de la Renta, Oscar de la Renta. I yeah. had no idea. That's yeah, incredible. And, and exactly, uh, a lot of these names, and I think it's more because now we're, at least in the United States, you're so used to least, um, Hearing to Latino names that are actually American, American 
Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. You know? We're used to hearing Spanish names spoken through it with an American dialect, American accent, something that seems to be an American brand. Yeah. And, that, and because of that, we hear Oscar de la Renta, and we don't know that it's Oscar de la Renta and that he's Dominican. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we, we're assuming that he's like Oscar de la Renta, maybe he's Italian or he's like some sort of like American exactly. with a funky last name or something. Exactly. And we don't realize, no, he's actually Dominican. Yeah. It's yeah, so, so he's Dominican. He came to New York in 1963. And when he really became a brand was when he started to design dresses for the wives of, the, of different presidents like Bush, Reagan, and Clinton. And because these are dresses that everybody looks at when we look at, at the inauguration or the ceremonies where they are part of. Um, they, they become the standard for what American women see as, like, exactly. that's the American look. Exactly. That is the classic American look. Exactly. Yeah, it's business attire. Yeah. So these designs, they, they became recognizable. And then his name also became uh, a brand. Uh, also, celebrities starting to wear Oscar de la Renta to Golden Globes, to the Oscars, to the Met Gala, and that's how he became uh, a brand. Yeah. And now when we talk about his designs, we don't say the red dress, but we say um, the Oscar de la Renta right. or whatever else he designed. Um, he passed away in 2014, and that's something that we learned in our research when I was researching about Oscar de la Renta but it was definitely an important designer for the Latino community and also for United States in general because they really emphasized that he was American and that he was an American designer even though he became American right um, when he came here to United States right but it's very um, everybody appreciates his style um, his passion for dressing and craftsmanship and his skills with designing. Then we go to Carolina Herrera. Carolina Herrera is a Venezuelan designer and she was born and raised in Venezuela and then she came to the United States. An interesting fact about Carolina Herrera is that she started her business in design when she was 40 years old. Hmm. That when, That's a late start, 40. Yeah, yeah. That when, um, when we were watching videos about her and she talking and explaining that part of her career, that was very impressive because it gives a lot of hope to people that it's, it's never too late yeah. no, to and, start. And, and also in fashion, I mean, for, you know, for her to come in at, at 40 years old and, you know, try to make a mark amongst people that are very judgmental yeah <laughs> fashion people are not friendly people they're very mm -hmm. judgmental so uh you know that's that's interesting um and and you know you hear her in interviews and she's speaking her her spanish with her heavy accent and all that but she seems very confident always when yeah. she speaks she seems businesswoman very confident very strong-willed strong opinions very interesting you know to see her personality yeah and even even um when she started let's say so late um, but it's never too late uh, she also had a history 
of being part of high class, high society back in Venezuela because her parents were politicians. Mm. So she was part of high class in a way. Right, of, of, of that kind of elite mm-hmm. crowd. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that probably helped her. Yeah, exactly. And and she also got her break also doing uh, dresses for politicians. Yeah, so that's how she also became famous and her style became a brand because she um, designed for Jackie Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy became a loyal client to Carolina Herrera and then... She also designed the wedding dress for Caroline Kennedy. Hmm. And this was, she said that it was the highlight of her career because then right after that, everybody recognized that that was Herrera and that was her design. And everybody wanted to know more about her. And that's why now, today, she has um, perfumes, she has colognes, she has dresses, and she is... Her is is a whole brand. Yeah, it's not just fashion. Yeah, it's more than that. Um. So yeah. So and then she said that about style when they were asking her questions about style and and what she thinks about style. She said that it is your own taste and how do you feel with wearing something, and that she said that always less is more. The more simple you are, the better because that way you are going to be the center of the attention and not whatever you're wearing. Yeah, I think she was talking about also um, not following too much fashion trends, but more being classic. Yeah. Having a classic look. Um, she was saying she was saying that the fashion trends are kind of like a uniform. When, yeah. When fashion changes, let's say right now everybody wants to wear bell bottoms and tomorrow they don't want to wear bell bottoms and tomorrow's tight jeans. and t- So as everybody changes and they follow along, she she sees it like everybody's getting into uniform everybody's lining up and dressing the same right and what she feels is that the classic looks are your personal style that's forever Mm -hmm. so if you develop your own personal style it's going to be better yeah in the long run than following trends yeah Mm -hmm. it's interesting so then um now we are going to talk about narciso rodriguez and narciso rodriguez um came from a Cuban family. He was born and raised in Cuba, but he came to the United States when he was little. And he went to school for design and for art to Parsons. And he had the opportunity to work with Calvin Klein and other recognized um, designers where he got a lot of inspiration for his designs and for his style. He also designed for politicians like Caroline Besset. He designed her wedding dress. And then he also designed for Michelle Obama. And he said that it's great to hear when they talk about his dresses as the go-to dress. And that is a, a, when it's a great design, it's because they call it the go-to dress or the dress that everybody needs. Yeah. Um, and France, uh, Narciso Rodriguez also um, became more than a fashion icon. He also has um, fragrances and colognes and perfumes as well. Yeah, I think that that happens in fashion. The minute you have, I mean, uh, <laughs> the funny thing is all these celebrities that come up with their own brands that mm-hmm. don't that have nothing to do with fashion and they have nothing to do with actual art. Mm-hmm. They're just a celebrity. Mm-hmm. 
it's funny how that became a thing like you can be a celebrity have a, a signature name mm -hmm. a brand behind your name and all of a sudden you can have a, a record label you know you have a, an album deal mm -hmm. you have a sneaker deal you have high fashion clothing yeah. you know and we forget all these classic fashion icons that have big names that actually put work in and actually design things that you know were were became iconic exactly you know? yeah 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 and and we don't even know like for real i when i heard about carolina herrera first i think it was because of the perfumes and fragrances okay and then i was like oh she's also a designer wow. so it's interesting how we recognize the names The, the funny thing for me is that I always heard Carolina Herrera and I always thought it was Carolina Herrera mm. and I thought she was some American whatever. Uh-huh. I never thought of her as, as being a Latina. Latina. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. She's Venezuelan. That's yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then our last designer for this episode is Isabel Toledo. But we cannot talk about Isabel Toledo without talking about Ruben Toledo which is um, her husband. They're like the power couple, the Latino fashion powerful couple. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. If you see interviews with them, you'll, you'll laugh. It's so funny. Yeah. So they are both from Cuba. Um, Ruben uh, or Ruben is an illustrator and Isabel is basically the concept behind her designs. Um, Ruben would draw whatever is, is in Isabel's mind, her emotions, and whatever he, she feels about a specific style and concept. Um, Isabel also had the, um, the opportunity to design for Michelle Obama for the inauguration in 2008. Um, yeah, that was like a, like a pastel aqua. It was, it was like a, she, she was explaining that it was like a green, and gray and then when the sun reflected with the material then it looked like kind of like a yellow because yeah. the dress it was like a bright green yeah, yeah. almost it, yellow it, to me it looked it looked almost aqua or something some color like that mm -hmm. um but a very classic look it was very straightforward it was very you know it didn't look flashy or anything yeah you know it fit it fit her well and and that was a good signature thing for her to do that's that was impressive and from there that inspired isabel for her next college collections to include a jacket or a mm. coat and the dress okay. because she said that that then cannot that that once she did that for michelle then she had to have that in her collections for anybody else to buy that's cool um she She says that when she is designing, that she doesn't see it set as her view, but that she's on on the service or for the service of women. So she wants to make sure that you feel confident, that you feel happy, and that she, she is serving you as a client. Um, and yeah, and, and she just, they, the couple, uh, Ruben and Isabel, just describe fashion as I guess their way of bonding, but also that is a joy for them to design and to come together with ideas and yeah. just express them in, in a fun way, which they were, is fashion. They were funny to watch in their interview because, you know, she's she's a very strong spoken person, which a lot I think a lot of these fashion ladies seem to have this strong personality, mm -hmm. very opinionated. Mm -hmm. And... And he, you know, the guy plays, 
plays his part. He's like on the side and he's like, hey, whatever she says is what she says. And I just try to do it and I just try to make sense of it. And then she even admits like, well, sometimes what I'm saying, you know, he doesn't get it and he'll make a mistake in the drawing. But I'll go, oh, that looks pretty good, actually. And then they'll go with that. And it's interesting that they have that relationship where they can play off of each other and come up with interesting ideas. I think the playfulness is is something that it shines through. The, the clothing that she's making is conservative, but it still has a little bit of a whimsical look. And mm-hmm. a little, like it's a little to touch a little fantasy a little bit because it's so conservative that it it feels out of place and yeah. it makes it look a little fantasy too. Um, and I think when you see the sketches you see where the the the, st- the way he draws the figures and everything you see the style in that and mm-hmm. i think that helps and it reminds me of how collaborating between people who are cut and so artists you know yeah. in fashion yeah collaborating with them between them and illustrators is so important and i think a lot of that is lost now in the digital age because everything's so pattern and and template driven Mm -hmm. you know people just want to everything's so digital and and constructed that way that they they want to push the boundaries on what can you construct Mm -hmm. and they're not so concerned with these like fashion illustrations to to sell the story true you know and i've seen it i've seen that um yeah but it's nice to see in, in this high fashion setting in the couture setting that this stuff still happens and it, and it makes it fun it makes you wish to be able to work with people like that you know yeah like, yeah when i was watching all those documentaries i was uh, not documentaries but interviews um i was actually thinking that not only that it would be cool to work with them but more because they're latinos yeah it's so interesting to see that we have that representation and sometimes we don't even know yeah um and yeah and then another interesting thing like i said at the beginning is that almost all of the um high class couture uh fashion designers they become a brand after designing for first ladies or politicians or people in power um which we don't think maybe the correlation between their representation for society but it, it is strong yeah, I. <laughs> we started looking at them, and I was like, "Did they design for Trump? Did they design?" <laughs> I just, I can't imagine anybody designing for Trump or, or dressing Trump. Uh-huh. Um, I Melania, I know Melania is a model, so obviously, people would love to design for her. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know how, if people have shied away from that, you mm-hmm. know, because of what's going on in their in their White House. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Yeah, I, I just, you know, when you see Trump's style, you know, you see how his his frumpiness and his big, giant, aloof, kind of like frumpy. Yeah, he has no style. He has no sense of style, no sense of elegance. No. You know, when he speaks, when he stands, <laughs> you know, it's just so ogreish yeah. that, yeah, yeah. you know, when you look at, let's say, uh, Barack Obama or uh, mm-hmm. uh, Clint- Even Clinton. Clinton, yeah, uh, you know, you're just like, wow, like. That's that. These people have at least a, a little sense of style, or class. You know, yeah, yeah. P- politics aside, yeah, they represent the image really well. So yeah, dressing these people is a thing. It's mm-hmm. a big thing. You know, it's it's like uh, putting your your clothing on like the, the biggest mannequins that you could find. Exactly. You know, for business attire. Exactly. In all of the United States, around the world, even. Because that. The, exactly and they get the attention of everybody yeah and it's and it's it's 
high high fashion. It's couture, but it's business still. It's, it's, business, it's a yeah. business fashion look. Yeah. yeah. You wanted me to teach you, right? Hablando español, Carla. Hablando español. What are you gonna say? Come on, let's go. Give me some words. I got it. I'm so um, Spanish right now. How do you say signature? Signature. Oh, that's a good one. I was about to say signature. <laughs> signature is firma. Yes. But firma is that also like signature style? No. How do you say signature style? Mm. That's when you say marca. Well, then you can say like marca reconocida. Or marca de artista. Or marca, yeah. It's like something that's in that. Yeah, but that lane. but I was going to say what is branding, and branding is marca. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Branding is marca. Signature is firma, pero la firma isn't always a brand. Exactly. It's just your signature. Signature is the actual. Literally signing yeah. your name. Yeah. Okay. Um, then what is design? Design? Diseño? Yes. And the next one, uh, politicians. Politicians. Oh, that one always gets me. I want to say políticos, but I don't know if that's right. That's right. Políticos? Yeah. Politico, políticos, politicians. Yeah. Okay. How do you say illustrator? Illustrator. Ilustrador? Yes. Really? That sounds so weird. Yes. Ilustrador. Ilustrador. Illustrator to me sounds like you should be like dibujante or something like that. Like, dibujante? I don't know. Like pintor. I don't know. Illustrator, <laughs> ilustrador sounds weird, but okay. How do you say first lady? Oh, first lady. I never thought of that in Spanish. First lady. Um, first lady should be... Primera dama? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> How do you say pricing? Pricing. Pricing. Pricing, put like, how, how do you mean, what do you mean by pricing, like? Well, there can be, well, pri no. All right, well, price is precio. Precio. Okay. Pricing. Pricing, it will be poner precio. Oh, okay. O ponerle precio. Ponerle precio, okay. So it's a phrase for mm -hmm. pricing. Mm-hmm. It's not like appraisal, like, pre how do you say appraisal? Appraisal? Yeah. Apreciar, is it? No. But appraisal, like to 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 put a price on to something. To put a price, yeah. So, yo creo que también se dice apreciar. Let me see. Going to the Google's guys. Here it says que evaluación, apreciación. That's what I was thinking. Apreciación. Valorización. Valorización. Okay, so appraisal is. Appraisal is valorización. Okay, so that's giving value to something. Mm -hmm. And then pricing is kind of like in there if you're using it in the way that we're saying pricing. Okay. Okay, and so pricing is ponerle precio. Ponerle precio or valorización. 
-huh. Valorizar. Valorizar. Pricing. Got it. Okay. Um, dress. How do you say dress? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Dress. Um, dress would be... I know you can... I think we said this one before, but dress could be vestido. Yes. But it, it could also be traje. Yes. Which one is it really? Vestido or traje? It all depends who's talking. What do you mean it all depends who's talking? I'm talking. <laughs> if it's a Colombian, it will say vestido. If it's a Puerto Rican, they will say traje. Oh, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you have any words? Um, Maybe. Oh, go ahead. Um, Well, when we were talking about having a signature style, we were saying that it should be instantly recognizable. How do you mm -hmm. say recognizable in Espanol? Reconocido. Okay. Reconocido. Okay. We were saying that um, you also have to have a consistency to your style. So how do you say consistency? Consistencia. Consistencia. All right. All right. What well, we were talking about fashion, we were saying that these people are high fashion. How do you say high fashion? Or how do you say, if there is no high fashion, then how do you say couture? Stumped her hard. Her little fingers are going through Google so fast, looking for the word couture in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was gonna get Seriously? her. Seriously? I knew I was gonna get her with this one. I'll accept any definition that translates from high fashion or couture. I, couture gives you the same thing. Couture is saying costura. And fashion is moda. And high fashion is saying alta moda. So. Couture is costura? Yeah. So maybe high couture is. Alta costura? I guess. De alto... Alta costura, alto I diseño. Know. I don't know. Dice costura. The world, will ne no sé. the world will never know, Carla. So, alto... Alta moda. Alta moda? Yeah, I don't think it's that. <laughs> I don't think it's that. Alta costura. All right. Well, thank you for trying, Carla. I appreciate it. Okay. Alta costura. La alta costura. Yeah, you sure now? Yeah. Google, Google told you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, another episode in the bag. Yes, that's it. Next episode is going to be episode 40, uh, No Mistakes. And in art life, I'm going to be talking about why I recommend drawing with a pen. Um, drawing with a pen, drawing with markers where you don't erase, you don't go back with a pencil and try to make it perfect if anything you try to make your marks count and i think it's important i recommend it for artists and on culture talk i'm gonna be talking about chef jose andres we're gonna talk a little bit about his story and how he had been helping puerto rico all right and at the end hablando español